Hello and welcome to the Amnesty International podcast. In this edition, we travel to Slovakia and hear how the education system is failing Romani children. And monks from a training school in Myanmar describe the events that led to the death of a close friend and recall the day police destroyed their home. Romani children in Slovakia are being denied the right to a proper education by a system that routinely discriminates against them. Huge numbers of children are being segregated into Roma-only schools, while others are being placed in special schools, despite not having any mental or learning disabilities. Amnesty International visited Slovakia to see how this system is failing Romani children and their families. About a half an hour's walk south of the village of Letanovce in eastern Slovakia live some of the most deprived people in Europe. Vladimir Krusten lives in a Roma settlement called Enosada in Slovak. He has one water pump for 100 families, no electricity and no real sanitation. We lack everything. Levels of hygiene here are not good. We want to keep the children clean. We want to keep ourselves clean. We want to keep the house clean. We've no electricity. We want to live as normal people do. It's impossible for this many people to live in this environment. If I want to have a bath, I have to send the children outside. There are about half a million Roma in Slovakia, nearly one in ten of the population, and a third of them live in settlements. Almost all face discrimination, which is a violation of their human rights. Huge numbers of Romani children are segregated into Roma-only schools or sent to special schools for children with physical or mental disabilities or learning difficulties, where they get a substandard education. Often they are caught between a system that seems to have given up on them and a home life that's helping them to fail. These children need an education if they are to break the cycle of poverty that the Roma have been in for centuries. They are almost certain to face discrimination or stereotyping from their teachers, the state and the local authorities. Peter Katzvinsky is the mayor of Letanovce. The biggest problem for the Roma population is missing preschool education. When they enter the school the first year, it takes a long time until they learn basic skills. They cannot use toilets or water taps, and it is a big problem. Sixty kilometers away, in the village of Jarovnice, there is another school offering preschool education. Downstairs, children play happily in a classroom that could be anywhere in Europe, but for one difference. This is a non-Roma class of children from the local village. Meanwhile, one floor above, the Roma children have been separated or segregated and are learning at an early age that they are thought of as different. Anna Dluhosova is a school inspector and a member of the Council of Experts for Education for Children from Socially Disadvantaged Environments. The specifics of Latanovce and Jarovnice need to be examined. Really, why is the situation the way it is? I do not agree with it. In some sense, I do. In Bistrani, we have a basic school with Roma children, and there are grades 1 to 4 of non-Roma children in the other buildings. I do consider this to be segregation. But it is necessary to listen to the parents, because the parents are taxpayers, 
and they have the right to express themselves. As the children get older, the segregation becomes greater. At six years old, having finished nursery school, these children will have to leave here and be sent to an overcrowded Roma-only school. The head teacher says Roma parents are happy with the arrangement. Ladislav Hussar does not agree. He lives with his wife and children in the Roma quarter of Yarovnice. I'd be happy if my children could go to the same school as white children so that they could learn the same subjects. I'd like my children to be able to speak German or English. If I have to pay for it, I will. Ladislav, along with the other Roma parents, has to pick his children up half an hour earlier than the rest of the school so that there is no overlap with the non-Roma parents. Home for him and his family is the Jarovnica settlement, the biggest in Slovakia. He works long hours for a construction firm in the hope that his money will give his children the chance of a better life, knowing that money isn't the only problem. Yes, there is discrimination, and it's very big, because, well, I can't explain why. Before, during communism, Roma and the white kids were together in schools. White people were complaining about Roma, that they don't let them be and steal things from them. But it wasn't true. They wanted Roma children to be separated from white children, and they achieved it. They achieved it. But I don't know why it's not the same now. Why Roma children in the nursery are upstairs. I haven't even thought about it, why it's like this. Why could such a small child not be together with a white child? Amnesty International says that the government of Slovakia must take measures to reverse the situation. Nikola Duckworth is a director of the Europe and Central Asia program. The Roma have the same aspirations as the majority of the population in Slovakia, but they can't achieve these unless and until the government of Slovakia assumes its responsibility to protect, respect and fulfil the basic right of Romani children to an adequate education. As a first step, the government must make an immediate and clear political commitment to eradicate the segregation of education for Roma. It must take all measures immediately to reverse this intolerable situation. The government must also ensure that segregated and impoverished settlements for Roma are a thing of the past. The Roma have the same hopes for their children as any parent, and they have the same rights as any of us. The right to education free from discrimination, the right to an adequate standard of living, and the right to a life lived with dignity. Since the start of the military crackdown on peaceful protests in Myanmar, Amnesty International has become increasingly concerned about grave and ongoing human rights violations. The organization has obtained disturbing first-hand accounts from monks inside Myanmar who have witnessed brutal attacks. This monk from a training school in Mitkinya, situated in the northern tip of Myanmar, begins by describing how the authorities started their raid by cutting the phone lines. On the evening of September 25th, the authorities cut the phone lines at about 5 in the afternoon. At 10 past 9 that night, they crashed open the main gate of the monastery with their military trucks 
as if they had surrounded an enemy position. Then they came into the monastery, making threatening noises in order to show us foes. Some of them came straight into the monastery, and some took positions within the monastery premises. It was like a war zone. They started beating the monks as soon as they came in. They kicked open the main door of the monastery after they crushed open the gate. They beat us indiscriminately as soon as they got inside the building. It was a prevented strike so that the monks could not resist the attack. They ordered us to stand against the wall. They hit the monks who did not obey their orders with sticks. The raiders were not only soldiers but also police and members of Swan Ashen and USDA. They all came and surrounded us. Eighteen of us fled and hid ourselves in the neighborhood. Some monks hid in the monastery. Some of the monks climbed onto the roof of the monastery and got away. We only dared to go back into the monastery in the morning. The security forces left after the raid, but we were afraid to go back in because we saw movements in the monastery. We stayed at a house where we could be safe. We went back to the monastery in the morning. We saw broken doors and red stains of what appeared to be blood on the floor. We also saw some solid red blobs that appeared to be blood. The monks who did not get detained stayed together on the second floor. But I was curious, so I went around and checked up on things in the building. I saw bloodstains. The whole building looked fairly messed up with doors that were kicked open. They also broke open the abbot's room, which was locked. The abbot was away, so his room was locked. We heard that one of the detained monks had died. We heard it around the 27th or 28th. We later heard that one more monk had died. This is what we heard. It is said that they died from being beaten during the interrogation. It went too far. Thank you for listening. To find out more about these issues or the work of Amnesty International in general, please visit www.amnesty.org.